I am optimistic, man, for, for the future. Um, I think it, things are gonna get really, really, really bad that we're gonna need to stop and fix it or fucking fade away, you know? Like when I was living in Florida and we had the deep water horizon, like that blow up and spill all the oil, remember that? Seeing that definitely turned me into an environmentalist painter. You know what I mean? It was that drastic change, but most people don't go through that, you know? But uh, yeah, I, I definitely am optimistic. Sometimes I'll play the other card though and be like, it's too late, man. It's irrelevant, we fucked the world up. Maybe we did, nobody really knows. But we will hit that point when it's too late. What's up guys? Welcome back to another beautiful episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends where me, your artist friend Chris Dyer, talks to all of his beautiful, amazing creative friends. Now this week, my special guest is Della, whose real name is Eric De La Cruz. And he's been a friend of mine for over 10 years and he's an amazing artist that has a lot of beautiful things to say and show. How are you doing, Dela, my brother? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Salud. 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 <laughs> yeah, thank you uh, so much for having me over to your temporal home here in Boulder. Ironically, here's where uh, my brand manager, Corey, used to live. Yep. And you're about to move to the house where Randall Roberts used so, to be, or his yeah, neighbor. Yeah, his other spot, yeah. But yeah, yeah, Boulder's nice. I, I moved here from Denver uh, in October and um, it's just chill, you know, mountain vibes. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between like, you know, your time living in Denver and now recently moving to Boulder? What's, what would you say the contrast is, even though they're so close to each other, one hour away? Yeah, it's like 35 minutes away actually, um, but... Um, the, just the, the vibe of the city, you know, I was living downtown and uh, I, uh, it just felt very concrete, you know, but there was a lot of opportunities there. That's why I stayed. Um, like you were like a block away from the grassroots store and Freda. Yeah, that. Santa Fe, Santa Fe, uh, Santa Fe Street. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I always kept coming to Boulder. I have more friends here than in Denver and it just never hit me that I should just move here. Um, but then COVID hit and, and it was just, it, you really felt what a young city looked like with COVID, you know, it's just deserted street and it was just, like I said, concrete everywhere, you know, it was hard to find nature. Uh, but then here is just, it's just all around, you know. You look up and the mountains yeah. smile at you. Got the high, you know, yeah, it's dope. I like it. Nice, a better vibe, friendlier environment. Everybody's definitely a little bit more uh, like spiritual. It's bigger here where Denver is just a little bit more edgy, I would say. It's like city vibe, bar vibe, you know. And here um, it's more like uh, hiking and kombucha, you know. <laughs> kombucha. Like kombucha. Hell yeah. Um, and before that, you were in California, right? Yep. I was living in San Francisco um, for um, almost six years, five and a half years or something like that. I lived in like four different spots, but um, I moved there in 2010. Um, 
I was 30 years old. I didn't know anybody. Me and my girlfriend at the time were like, we were living in Florida before, and my art was kind of taken off, and I was able to support myself from it. So I was like, let's, let's New York City or San Francisco, and we rolled the dice in San Francisco. And it so was, San Francisco is cooler. Well, New York is New York, but San Francisco yeah, is special. I could live in New York too, though, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just, you know, this is like the right place at the right time, man. San Francisco was exploding. I met Randall Roberts there, you know, as soon as I got there and uh, started painting in uh, Oakland Murmur, the art walk there. That's like okay. 10,000 people go to it every, every first Were you Friday. ever part of the womb, the collective in Oakland? No, but I, I did a photo shoot there. Yeah, okay. I did a photo shoot um, there. Um, and I knew those people. Um, I think Seth McMahon was living there. At yeah, that time. I crashed there for a couple of days back <laughs> in the mid 2000s. Yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, so you know that the Bay Area is, is dope, you know. But I mean, I've gone back and it's changed a lot, you know. It's, it's yeah. very techie now and very business minded. It's a totally different vibe. What a, what a bummer, because for me, like San Francisco and the Bay was just so rich in the mid 2000s yeah. for skateboarding and art and just like counterculture in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I got there, you know, I, I got introduced to Luke Brown's art and, and you know, all the, all the, the Amanda Sage and, and uh, I wasn't, I, I mean, I was doing my thing, but I, I didn't have a name or anything and started painting at this club temple on Wednesday nights. And right. It was like the beginning of bass music. And um, the first night I met Seth McMahon, Jonathan Salter, uh, and we were all light painting and, and none of us, like, we were just kids, like, you know, tripping and painting. And but we started selling so much art, man. And there was a lot of trimming going on back then, the, the weed industry. So everybody had cash, you know. And it was just Amazing. like we're just selling art, like, like trimming right there in the city, or you had to go up to Northern California. Well, they would come party in San Francisco, but they would be up in the mountains in Humboldt, you know. And, and then they would come party with lots of cash, you know. And, and they would come and buy big paintings too. Yeah, probably. they're coming to the club temple, you know. And, um, and yeah, we were just selling so much art. And then we decided to make a little collective. Um, it's called the Union, and then. We started painting big, big pieces. Who um, was in the union? It was uh, Seth McMahon, Jonathan Salter, me, uh, Randall Roberts uh, for some of the pieces. And we would kind of like bring in artists here and there, you know. But um, What was that artist that was part of that group that used to have a gun, who used to be very like aggressive? Oh, Derek Heinemann? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever I, happened to him? I have no idea, man. Uh, <laughs> he was an interesting cat. Yeah, he was, he was trippy. He, he's the one that kind of set the whole thing up, you know, so he would like, he would drive us to, to Denver to go paint a uh, bass nectar show. It was, it was fun, you know. Um, uh -huh. He had a very strong personality, I remember. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, kind of uh, mili like military or something. I don't know. I have no idea. Right. Not, not your classic visionary artist. Right, I mean. right. But, but who is, you know? But so it was in the Bay Area where you found like the visionary scene and kind of like got into that? Or were you already kind of like painting visionary vibes before you got there? I, you know, when I was in Florida, I was painting for, for, I was working at this restaurant where they would let you live paint and it was good money, but I was selling all these small originals and it was just water and people floating in the air and then the, the Hubble photography kind of imagery, you know, um, psychedelia and uh, um, chakras and stuff like that. So um, I was already kind of doing that, I think. And then I read, you know, the, the, the mission of art by, uh, by Alex Gray and some of the quotes, I was like, this is what I want to do for, for, for my life, you know? Right. And um, 
So I think that was it was during the the economy going to crap in 2008 or something like that. And I was still I, w- I was I, w- I was able to pay my bills through art. And to me, that was such a strong uh, message, you know, to that I could if if times were bad and I still made it as an artist, then it's going to be great when the times are good, you know. Mm-hmm. So we moved to San Francisco and it just poof everything just what an inspiring city yeah yeah it's 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 like a poem that that place that city is like a poem that that it's not being told right now you know what i mean it's it's like this song there's so much romanticism there and um i loved it sadly we little by little everybody started to leave because they couldn't afford it and uh, i had the option of staying or or moving and i chose uh colorado mm-hmm. just kind of following the money you know right which has become the new mecca for psychedelic culture and yeah, this like style the, of the art kind of this like open the door you know and and the the weather and, and you know the music venues here you know it's just like a perfect combination of all these things that people are into you know because mm-hmm. you could have the same thing in austin texas but it's still texas you know <laughs> or or you could have it in portland but you still get like the bad winters you know or, like the shitty weather but the winters are pretty harsh here too you know like snowy and cold It, it, you know, it happens for like three months when it gets bad, but I, I bolt. I go to Puerto Rico uh, ah. every, every winter. I've done it the last two years. And and then before that, I was in Australia for the whole winter. Right. We hung I'm out not a there. fan. Yeah, yeah, we hung out there. I'm not a fan of the winter, but I kind of want to do a, win- a winter again here, you know? And right, there's like, something beautiful. Well, you have no excuse to, to leave, so you can just you paint. It's productive. Or you do bad things to yourself. Ah. <laughs> I miss a good fucking winter in Montreal. I haven't done that really? in a few years, but it was always like very productive. Cause yeah. What else to do but paint? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the element. You know, my mood is completely controlled by the sun and the night. And uh, when it gets that gray for that many days, I, I start to lose myself. And it's hard to paint, you know, that's... Do you end up drinking a lot? Uh, let me see. I guess I, I'm way better than I was two years ago. Let me put it like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, I would definitely hit the bottle because it was like quarantine, you know? Right. <laughs> What else are you going to do? You know, it's like Netflix and drink, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And other things, you yeah. know. Yeah, I understand. So let's backtrack a little bit. So you lived in all these amazing, inspiring cities that were good for your career. But you originally were born and grew up in Mexico? I was born in, in Baja, uh, California. Um, okay. Mexicali is this big, uh, big industrial city. Mm-hmm. And um, I left when I was uh, 10 and I moved to Puerto Rico. Okay. Um, yeah, my mom uh, remarried my stepdad and we moved there. And that was amazing man you know it's like hawaii but in latin american culture and um i learned the english language in school because it was an american school and i would just go surfing every day man we would go to the beach every day and smoke weed you know five dollar bags you know <laughs> and uh I, it was a i mean i paint nothing but water now because of that place probably you know and it's just forests and mountains and, and waves and yeah it's and now you go like in winters you said right yeah yeah my mom's still there um which so part aguadilla What, what's that it's the northwest of the island and it's where it's huge mecca for surfing mm-hmm. excuse me um huge mecca for surfing and uh they do like the rip code championship there so it's mm-hmm. big big waves man oh, yeah, no way. yeah cool yeah i've seen a i've seen maybe a 20 footer 
there. Okay. How's your surfing scales? I do longboard, uh, so I stick to the small waves, um, uh-huh. and I do bi- uh, body surf, and I do boogie boards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little bit more comfortable on a boogie with professional fins on my feet, you know? Yeah, you can, easier to catch the waves. It's just easier to do anything, you know? The, the longboard, you get a big wave coming at you, and you're at the ro- wrong spot. You're, right. You, you better just get in the water, you know? Yeah. You can't duck dive that, you know? Right, totally. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, and when you're in uh, Puerto Rico, what are you doing while you're there? Just painting also at your mom's place? Well, my, yeah, my mom, uh, recently we had a death and, and she's alone for the first time in her life. So she loves it when I go there and um, my stays have become longer and longer. So I just fixed the house, whatever's wrong with it. You know, last time I was there, I made her a garden. So she's eating all this fruits and veggies, you know, from Beautiful. the garden. And she started gardening herself. She also has like five dogs or something like that. It's a, it's a lot of work. But uh, when I'm done with the work, I just go to all these beaches, man. Like 10 minute walks from the house, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of friends visit me. I had four friends come visit me. And so just show them around. You know, there's there's so much cool things. It's like they undiscovered nice. part of the Caribbean. I'm due to go to Puerto Rico yeah. and uh, visit you and other friends. Please do this winter, man. Like, I know um, also Ray Oraca's got his land. I, I think. went to it, yeah. yeah. How was it? It? The, it was beautiful. It was an acre of land and um, used to be a Christian camp, so he's got all these bunk beds that can house oh. like 60 people, man. Sick. They're triple ones. So it's going to be like a Moksha family, but in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he wants to expand, and there's land everywhere there, and it's crazy cheap, man. And uh, there's a river and a waterfall on the property. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad I was the first one. Sick. A, a week later, uh, Mark Henson uh, arrived. Uh, did you miss him? Miss? Did you see him, or do you? No, no, no. I w- I was gone, and <laughs> a week after, Mark showed up. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I'm so happy that so many friends are getting land and bigger homes and projects that eventually will become like retreat centers for art and healing and yeah. all the vibes that inspire us. Yeah. That's yeah. super good. So being that you grew up in Mexicali and that you spent a lot of time in Puerto Rico and your name is Eric de la Cruz. Eric de la Cruz. Do you consider yourself Latino? Do you identify yourself as Latino? What's your relationship with uh, your Latino blood? Oh, that's a good one. I mean... Yes, I, I, I'm, I definitely, uh, you know, I'm Latino, but line in the sand has always been something, you know what I mean? You draw a line in the sand and you say this is the U.S. or this is Mexico or any other country, you know. Uh, I think I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a human from the earth, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I look and sound Latino, so I must be. <laughs> right. Well, we're all mixed. Like, yeah. you look more Latino than I do. I, I consider myself Latino too, but when people see me, they don't think of me that way. But inside, I feel Latino. Yeah. And uh, but also a mix of Canadian and Gringo, obviously. Right. right? Just like right. a big mix. But the world usually treats you in the way that you appear. Yeah, I guess that's it's, true. It's my question: Do people treat you like a Latino? Is that a good thing, well, a bad thing, can't or tell. does it matter? I, I've heard a lot of things. People, they're like, "You're from Mexico," and I'm like, "Wow," you know. Or, or they'll be like, "Are you Persian?" You know, like it's. Um, but yeah, the, the you know our looks definitely define define us, you know. But um, um, I like that we're Latinos and we're doing this art, you know, and mm-hmm. Fabian Jimenez, you know, and and, and we we need more. You know, yeah, well, more more of everything instead of just, you know, 
Right, like North American. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Yeah, no, totally. But really, there's a lot of Latino visionary artists, but say they're in the jungle of Peru, for example. Yeah, exactly. There's like a big contingency there. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they don't make it up here so much, so no, the cultural it's exchange is yeah. not so big. But uh, yeah, I love that you're like my, you know, half Latino, half gringo brother yeah. that we meet up and we talk about los prisioneros. Yeah, and, music is and huge. Y podemos hablar castellano cuando nos dé la gana. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and do, do our thing. So it's nice to like, you know, culture, culture and race is a beautiful thing. We can celebrate it. We can unite. We can identify as long as we don't make it something that's like, well, I'm only this and nothing else should enter and, no. and create some kind of division, right? Right, right. You know, the, the people are, can be like that. You know, when they find out you're Latino and then they start speaking Spanish, like I hardly ever speak Spanish except for my mom, to my mom. And like you feel pressure to like, oh, you have to have this little... 20 second conversation in Spanish and then switch to English, you know, and mm-hmm. I got called out one time because I was like, no, I don't want to do that, man. You know, I was like, I'm, I've been in the States for, you know, 20, 25 years. Like maybe I'm, you know, I'm, I, I feel white, but I'm not, you know, but right. who cares? You know? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I love speaking Spanish myself, like spending all this time in Peru. I have to get to speak more Spanish so I don't lose it. So I'm, you know, yeah. sound like, you know, like I know, like yeah. don't That's lose why I it. love when you come because we, I get to practice Italian sí. Spanish. Creo que el, el resto de esta entrevista deberíamos hacerlo Todo en español. Todo en español, okay. Sí. Y okay. Nadie nos entendería. <laughs> Actually, mucha gente latina me pide que haga estas entrevistas ¿Entrevista? en castellano, pero hay que, hay que hacer dos entrevistas en castellano. Tenemos dos entrevistas ahora. Pero la mayoría de los que nos están mirando hablan inglés entonces pues lo hago para ellos he said everyone watching we, <laughs> we love you, <laughs> we love you. We're, we're doing it in English for you because we know you guys speak English and a lot of actually like Peruvians and Mexicans also know English so it's kind of like that language that more people can unite and, and understand yeah. these conversations um, so let's go back to your career um, a couple of weeks ago we we're at Randall Roberts home and we start playing a game where you're like, okay, let's draw a Ninja Turtle from memory. And now let's draw Robocop from memory. And now let's draw Gizmo from the Gremlins from memory. I think I I did better (laughs) than you at that one. But you killed that Ninja Turtle and you killed that Robocop. You got all the fucking right things of his armor. And I was like, what the fuck? How do you remember this so well? I drew Robocop a thousand million times, you know? Beavis as a and, kid or Ninja Tur- yeah yeah that's what that was my whole childhood right there it was just non-stop sketching you know mm-hmm. so anything that would play on the tv i would just you know mimic it you know and i'm still doing that you know what i mean like i um i mimic i need photographs i take my own photographs but i'm just copying you know kind of like a printer but uh ninja turtles and you know michelangelo of course was my my go-to favorite. The party, dude. Yeah, the pizza guy, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that the, the Ninja Turtle, it's funny, I hadn't drawn one in 10, 15 years, you know? And uh, It was sick seeing you, like, draw Ninja Turtle, and I think earlier that day I had interviewed Vincent Gordon, Vincent Gordon yeah. who's such a Ninja Turtle fan. I saw the video, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really fun. Um, but also, you were drawing drawings on the street of Orlando for tourists or something like that, right? 
I worked at a restaurant that uh, let you uh, live paint, so it was it was in the in International Drive, which is a super touristy, you know. So the the crowd that was there was, was there for the parks, you know, the, mm -hmm. the Disney or Universal Studios, and so I was I was drawing a lot of beaches because I love the beach, but um, some of it might have come off as tourist art, you know. But tourists were buying it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think that was my school too. I must have made like three hundred little originals. I would make three a day and just sell them all, you know. Wow. Yeah. Did you make good money? Not then, you know, because I, I was just trying to survive and asking for the lowest, you know. Mm. But um, once I got to San Francisco, after three years, I had to up everything, you know. When um, you went to San Francisco, you were still selling on the streets? Yeah, I was going to the Oakland Murmur and um, I would... I would sell out, dude. I would bring my 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 little uh, baggage on the on the BART on the train and go to the to the art walk, mm -hmm. set it on the floor, make eight hundred bucks, and take the train back home. And uh, that was enough, you know, for like a month. Eight hundred dollars, you know. We were all sharing the house. Um, but um, at, at those at that Temple nightclub too, like I remember one night I sold three paintings to this girl for like a thousand dollars, you know, and. She just hit me up to paint a mural at her house recently, but um, I could have sold her this, you know, mm -hmm. for 300 bucks, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I don't even want to sell it, you know? It's like, I want to keep this forever. Right. It's um, good that you didn't sell all of your older paintings. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how it works, but, you know, I'm, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, you know? Beautiful. So you were always super passionate about doing art and making a career from it. I remember asking my mom, how can I make a living as an artist and I was like five mm -hmm. you know wow. and she's like get she's she's like get good grades <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> get a diploma and then yeah yeah money. and uh but I mean my earliest memories is of drawing like a really bulky Superman you know or, or the Hulk yeah. you know this is in like 1984 you know well I mean, us 80s kids we love our strong men oh, huh? man <laughs> <laughs> He-Man all the superheroes they're yeah, always so jacked super up super bulky yeah G.I. Joe's all that all that um so me and my cousin Abe, we we would just sit there all afternoon and just draw, you know. When the summers were too hot to play outside, um, we we just draw, draw all day long, man, and play with our with our GI Joes. You know, mm -hmm. we we would like carve out the backyard and put a mounting in it with a waterfall. Ah, oh, so sick! And like we would light like uh, matches, you know, for like and light them up. Oh so it was man! Like, bro, we would we would set it up for three hours and play for half an hour <laughs> but it was, it was like, like a, it was like that a, was the plot of this crazy fucking yeah. base we've created but it was like a mini movie or something we were right. so creative i so think that was creative. crucial for for any kid growing up right make up your own games you know right and, uh, totally yeah. I, I love the 80s for that shit, you know, right. going to the park and playing outside. Yeah. You'd watch some TV too. No but iPads, like, you know? Yeah, no phones. No, you would just do Saturday morning cartoons or, or, or an evening something, you know? But yeah, it's way different now. Kids, kids don't even go outside anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, getting cut, you know, building your immune system and fighting the neighbor kid. Getting bullied. <laughs> yeah. Big part of a good childhood, huh? I definitely got bullied. Um, but hey, it made us who we are, you know, and we, we still see the world now from those eyes, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, we have a fun idea of life and that's amazing. Totally. Yeah. I appreciate our 80s childhood. Yeah. Salute. yeah. Salute. Salute. <laughs> so you're in San, in San Francisco, 
you're trying to sell these paintings at uh, this uh, temple nightclub and trying to find a scene and meeting new people when you start going to music festivals and live paint because that's where i met you in 2011 at rootwire where i met so many of our friends ohio that, right in ohio yeah, yeah. it was in ohio that right. first rootwire I, I don't know if it was the first one it was the first one i went to that's where i met Randall and Morgan really? and you the same and time? Emily Kale. Yeah, it was like what? this generation of visionary artists that I didn't even know, you know, were out there and you guys all went there and were throwing down. Yeah. And uh, yeah. That was an amazing event. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, was that one of the first ones you've done? Have you done some before? Like when did you get into that, that scene or that job? Well, once we started getting kind of known through Facebook, uh, people just started calling us and uh, you know, uh, Vision Lab, Keegan, and I remember, I think that was one of the first, it was, it was a Gratify. And um, it was a very swampy uh, festival, but it, it, that's similar vibe, you know, I got to connect with the whole East culture, you know, East mm -hmm. Coast. That was North Carolina, if I remember. Yeah, I think Gratify, so. Yeah. Or South Carolina, one of the two. Um, one of the two, yeah. But, um, so it was, a, I think it was the same year, you know, that Rootwire happened and... Um, and it was the same kind of vibe. Oh my God, I got so many photos from that. And video of like Morgan. That was the first time meeting Morgan Mandala, and you know we're like brother and sister now. <laughs> she's uh, she's family for sure. Um, but um, yeah, that was super fun vibes, man. Um, hard to capture that in a festival again. I think you know. Right, because why is it hard? Because just there's just so many artists now that it's it was kind of like not the beginning of the the visionary explosion, but it was still fairly early. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, it's that it's um, the I think the painters kind of suffer more uh, than the musicians. You mm -hmm. know, um, so there's that vibe of like, why do we need to pay an artist, mm -hmm. kind of thing. You know, when when I can just give someone a ticket and they can come in and do the same thing. You know what I mean? Right. So I think a lot of the value of the art like dropped a bit, um, and that's kind of why I kind of want to exit it too. You know what I mean? Like exit it so you don't do music festivals anymore no 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 i want to do music festivals but i, I just want to do the the, the ones, ones that pay you the ones that pay me so or, that's a lot less yeah it's a lot less and you get more done by promoting yourself in a bigger spot right like electric forest you know what i mean that's that's like a epic one right but i don't know i you know since covid and staying in the studio so much i i feel like that's my calling man it's just like stay home drink tea work out and paint tea <laughs> no for sure no i drink a ton of tea yeah yeah cool um but yeah i, I get you like tea. I, 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 I was really happy to take a break from the whole music festival um mm -hmm. situation that you know i was getting paid and stuff and but i was doing a lot of them it's very exhausting and i was happy to just take a break and now that I, things are reopening again i'm still doing a couple festivals but it's mm -hmm. mostly private jobs yeah for commission. just people and uh you know murals at their houses which is a lot less hectic and yeah uh, energy intense i mean when you're when you get that rush you know to get on a plane and go to a festival you know eventually it's gonna that energy is gonna fade away you know and as mm -hmm. we're getting older man and you know we can't like i was it's exhausting it's exhausting it's also what you do at the festivals too you know what i mean like i, I you party hard i used to party hard <laughs> i used to party hard i couldn't say no and and when people look up to you and they come up to you and they're like, hey, do you want this? Do you want to take a sip of this? Do you want mm -hmm. this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you want to hang out with the people. Exactly. It's, it's a form of promotion. But then, you know, you wake up in your tent the next morning <laughs> and like, 
You know, it's like, oh, what the hell? God, I wish I was at the hotel or something. Um, right. Yeah, I don't like tents. So. Yeah, I don't but, think anybody knows at a yeah. festival. It's very hot and dirty. <laughs> but um, so, what did live painting at festivals do for you? Did it take your career further? Like, um, you know, how did it help you? Um, man, I've done so much live painting. It, it, yeah, it's straight promotion, you know, so it, it, I'd say a third of the fan base came from festivals, you know, mm -hmm. and then a third is just like the skill and then the other third is your communication with people on social media. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I think you could take one out and still be, pro 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 what is that word, prolific? Prolific. Pro prolific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and keep going up, up and up, you know. But no, I don't, I don't mind doing the festival thing. I'm just gonna invest more in, in my uh, in, the, in my travel, you know what I mean? And be right. more comfortable. Plus all, us old schoolers, we wanna, Ooh. you know, we wanna get paid for our work, you know? The, the times of exposure are kinda done. That's a good point. Um, so the festival's gotta be ready to like pay us for our time and effort. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's also good to do it for free if you know you're going to get the exposure because I, I always do pretty well, you know what I mean? So sometimes it's not even about getting paid, but just getting the, the best spot. Well, for example, Electric Forest, you do that, right? Yeah. And Electric Forest is huge. So yeah, you, yeah. just in sales alone, it, you get paid. And in exposure, you, you, exactly. you know, gig it to a very it's, wide audience. It's, everybody wants that gig, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll, by my fights man like don't worry about that you know mm -hmm. but um yeah you know you have to cut down on, on the smaller ones you know there's just you know you're gonna drive three hours and you know it's, it's just a big party and, and you know i was looking at my work that i was painting live and so much partying going on that i was like i'm not very happy about this painting you know and because you can't focus because you don't, I mean, your mind is everywhere, you know, it's, there's, there's music and people and dust and rain and, and, and tequila shots, you know, and, um, and other things, of course, I, I had, you know, COVID kind of cleaned me up, you know what I mean? Now I'm chilled like 90%, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it. Sure. Nice, right, beautiful. Yeah. So now you're focusing more on studio work and commissions. Studio work and commissions, I'm always happy about those pieces you know because i'm in a controlled environment um but um i feel like right now there's like a spike in sales just because people are there's still no festivals there's some festivals and people people got that money and they want to get the the festy vibe in their house you know so i've been very very lucky this year that i have four commissions back to back to back to back um and uh and then i'm working on the seasons which is like these four paintings that i'm working on in oils um, so it's like a full year right there. Beautiful. Yeah. What other way, uh, do you got other incomes for art? Like, um, you know, is there other way that you make money through your art other than uh, painting originals? No. It's no just, products, uh, no. Oh, I sell, I sell uh, merchandise of my stuff. Um, do you I, run that yourself or does somebody do it for I you? Do, I do run myself. I, I have an assistant that helps me um, code on the, on the website kind of thing. Um, that just, I, I don't even want to look into it, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, there's the clothing, this is Vision Lab clothing, and, and then there's the canvas prints and the paper prints and the stickers and the tapestries. Um, but that's all taken care of by other people, you know, so. But I, I also do 
you know, build the canvas prints by myself. I want to sign everything. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't want a product to go out without my signature. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, luckily, Instagram's still running. You know, and uh, hasn't turned into Facebook yet. But uh, I think we should take advantage of it right now as much as we can. You know. Right. As as long as it it, it still pans out, unless you're ready to do some TikToking. You got like a cute dance for me, Della. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I uploaded a bunch of time lapses in, on TikTok. Did it work out? No, it didn't work it's, out at all. It doesn't work so well for me neither. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why something does. I know really good on We're Instagram. We're good looking. What else do we need? <laughs> How much prettier can I get for you people? <laughs> you gotta show. You gotta show the the hips. You know. Oh the... God! But yeah, I don't know. I don't have that much <laughs> luck on TikTok. I, I I sometimes my time lapses work out. Yeah, but uh, it's not the same. No. I don't know. I guess I'm out of touch with the younger generation. Um, so talking about social media, we started doing social media pretty much as, uh, as soon as it was happening. We used it because of something new. But these days, you know, kids or younger artists that are starting up, do you think an artist should jump on social media and start promoting their self and their art? right away or should they hold back till they get to a certain level before they go out in the world and be like hey everybody here's my art here's who i am yeah what do, what do you think is the best strategy for you i artist? think both work you know i mean social media is designed for you to put yourself out there you know so you, i mean i've i've had people that contact me and, and they're like oh i'm an artist too come check out my page and there's three posts in the whole thing and it's just like a stick figure you know or something uh, um I think if you, if that person decided to, to be like, I'm a full-fledged artist, they might have a hard time down the road selling their work or something. Um, so in a way, yeah, I do think, I waited, you know what I mean? I waited forever, man, to to put my work on the streets and um, until I was like, I'm ready, you know, I'm, this is good work, I'm ready, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show it to the world, you know? But I mean, to each its own, you know, I'm, there's so many ways you can make merchandise of a picture you take with your iPhone. Who am I to say, don't do that, you know? But if you ask for my advice, I would say, maybe hold on until you work on your craft. And, and um, because it's it's the word Insta, you know? Everybody's on this Insta famous thing. And it's, if you don't go to, if you don't go to school, you know? Or like learn somewhere. Or like I, like I say, I went to YouTube Academy. That was my school, you know? That's how I learned how to paint. I watched a thousand videos, you know? But if you don't do that and you just go straight, you know, good luck. You you get what you put into it. Yeah, yeah. Right. And things, you know, it can happen instantaneously. Maybe you get lucky and... Yeah, but like, how, how long is that career? Though? Right. Is it going to be just like kind of like something that's hyped for a week? Something that goes viral, people right. think it's going to remain viral for the rest of their lives. Right. And it's the same thing with us. You know, when we have a great month or, we or think, a great year, or we think it's going to be even better next year and then right. it goes down, it right. goes back you up. Can't you can't get know? too cocky. You got to yeah. kind of like save some money just in case the next year. Yeah. You know, you got to reinvent yourself or something. Right. Reinvention is very important. What, what is that quote with a thousand paintings? Randall's always saying it. Randall Roberts, um, like make a thousand paintings and then sell one or something like that. You know, I think that's that's a great I did like 350 and then, you know, started selling them, but that was my story. I don't know that quote, but if you're making a thousand paintings, you only sell one. You're not doing that well. A thousand hours. A thousand, <laughs> a thousand paintings. Um, 
No, it's a thousand hours. Devote a thousand hours to anything before uh, you put it out. Okay, yeah. Like I think it, it, it takes a hundred, hundred thousand hours to become a master. A thousand hours. A thousand hours? Yeah. That doesn't sound like that much. A hundred thousand? hundred thousand is a lot. That's like 80 100... years, bro. No. Do the math. No. I don't know. My math I'm terrible in math. I don't know math. I thought it was a hundred thousand hours, like year, like 10 years or something. 10 years of fucking killing yourself and then you become oh a master. My God. Like a master is like, you know, somebody killing it or something. A hundred thousand hours is how many days? <laughs> Let's see. That's 4,166. But how much? 4,100 divided by 365. 11 years. There you go. 10 years wow. of, of painting. That's good math. You know, like, and people, I went to school for like eight years before I even started my career. And my career didn't happen right away. Art school? Yeah. Oh, cool. I did a uh, couple years of fine arts in CGIP, college, Canadian styles. Then I did a year of visual arts in university they didn't like it and then i went and do three more years of illustration and design awesome once again in college slash cgip yeah and uh so i did both the fine arts but the commercial so mm. i can do both and I, I was just like how the fuck am i gonna make money from art like i was yeah. like how's this gonna happen you know when i graduated high school i got a, i got uh, accepted to the art institute in the, for computer animation because i i watched jurassic park and i was like this is what I'm where was that about. In Fort Lauderdale. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I, was, I graduated high school in Puerto Rico and then moved to Florida. Did you do it? I didn't do it because <gasps> it was an associate's degree. Oh. And it was fucking crazy money, man. Expensive. That I just didn't have. That's what I wanted to do at the beginning, animation. Really? And I didn't get admitted for two years in a row. I, I, cool. it, uh, Algonquin College in Ottawa, Canada. Mm. Like, I applied and they're like, no, you're too cartoony. It's like... But animations are cartoons as far as I know. Can I just do my cartoony things? Like, no, no, no. I got to learn the anatomy. You got to go to proper art school. Get wow. your shit right. And I did a year and I applied again and they still declined me. And then by after two years of doing fine arts, like, you know what? I like doing a painting. And, you know, and I went to an animation studio and I saw people in their cubicles drawing Homer Simpson sitting on a couch, slowly chugging a beer. It's like... Is this what I want to do? Like, that doesn't sound, seem that inspiring. That computer animation would have been the same thing, man. Just mm -hmm. sitting there. Right. Like, you go crazy, you know? Uh, for, for what? You know, to, to have a second in the movie? Right. You know? <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's you expressing yourself. not your yourself. work. Uh, work for yourself. That's my advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be your own boss. Totally. So back to your fine art. Let's talk about the subject matter of the things that you paint. It seems like you like to mix space and water and uh nude muses nude and, muses and nude muses and animals so tell me about the subject matters that you like to paint about um well the galaxy thing um i'm just i'm just in awe every time we you know find a black hole or a new photograph of space and um, I think that comes from being Catholic and thinking about the heavens and now we can actually see the heavens. It, it just blows my mind. Um, the water thing with the animals is it's the environmental awareness. Um, if we don't say anything, you know, no one's going to say anything. I wish I was doing more physically in person, um, but I think that the, the, the 20 paintings of animals is, is sending a voice of saying, let's take care of these beautiful sentient beings. And we just went out for brunch and I noticed that you ordered vegetarian food, which is 
pretty much like one of the biggest things you can do for the environment and for yeah. animals not eating them. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, um, I was hanging out with a friend in Hawaii and, and, and he's like, he said, I'm a healthitarian. And uh, he said he looked it up and it, there was actually a term for healthitarian. And, and the way I see it is I eat whatever my body asks me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really do the meat, but I'll eat fish uh, and eggs, you know, once a week, something like that, you know. But um, yeah, I like, uh, I like to eat living things, you know, like my salad is alive when I'm eating it. I'm eating that energy. Um, a piece of steak is, is dead, you know what I mean? It's just you're eating dead things, you know. I don't think that's good for you. But also, you know, don't take my advice on it. Um, but uh, going back to the to the to the naked chicks, <laughs> nude <laughs> muses. Nude muses. We had to get this term that. correct. That's hard to say for Latinos. I know it's not. That doesn't flow as well as yeah. naked chicks. Naked but it's, I guess it's incorrect to say uh, that. The, I think the nakedness is just, it's just a metaphor for how we are naked. You know, what I mean, we're 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 uh, sensitive, fragile people. Um, but most of these paintings are things that I'm going through. I just don't, when it comes to the male anatomy and the woman's anatomy, it's more pleasing to, to paint the female. Um, Women are more beautiful, Yeah, to my sure. humble opinion. I've, I've sh photographed males, but they have to be ripped, man, to like look good, because like, even me, skinny, I, I beer gut, that looks terrible. But a woman that doesn't necessarily go to the gym, but is healthy, looks great, you know, in, mm -hmm. in any light, you know? Um, do you feel maybe the uh, paintings of uh, nude women is kind of like an expression of your own female vulnerability you got inside? That's that would be a good way of putting it. Yeah. But also not admiration for the physical oh beauty God. of yeah, like the, the goddess. The women's nude. are hot. Like we yeah, like yeah. That, women know? women are hot. You know, so it's it's a combination. You know, but I mean, it also goes back to the, the Italian Renaissance. You know, and the picture of Venus, and then you know. Um, yeah, you look at a, a woman and you're just in awe of the beauty, you know, why wouldn't you? And it never gets that? old, because even from it back in the day and to, still today, people love the female form. For sure, for sure. And it'll, it'll never go away, you know. Um, but, um, but yeah, lately I've been thinking of doing more males, you know, maybe, maybe like a, a male, 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 woman, woman, woman kind of thing and just show all Sandwiches. Them. Uh, show the whole variety of, of the sexes, you know. Mm -hmm. And you take your own photography, right? Like, yeah. is every woman that's in your painting you in a studio with a woman taking a picture? Yeah, since like 2011, I, I used some Google images and stuff. Um, but uh, after that, I'm like, dude, I, I have the eye for the light and the shadow. Mm -hmm. And uh, I invested in some lighting and I even even now, even better in a nice camera, you know, so. I love I love doing photo shoots with girls, you know, for sure, man. It's, how it's how is fun. that? Is it like awkward? What's the level of respect and honor that you have to have for your model to be in that vulnerable state and taking pictures of them to then like place them in a, in a painting? Does it always work out? Sometimes it doesn't. Um, it's, it's the way I consider it, it's a collaboration with me and that person. Um, I like to get to know the the, the person and um, try to in like put them in the photo put their personality in the photo the more we talk the more i see them move like the poses will change you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh sometimes the, the photo doesn't work out and like like people have been disappointed you know that that i didn't use the painting the photograph to make a painting but I, when i looked at the photo i'm like this is not i'm not stoked about this why 
would I devote a month to make this painting if I'm going to be unhappy making it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work, but um, um, now I have a contract, you know what I mean, that says, like, hey, this might not work. Hey, this is what you're getting paid. Hey, I own the copyright, you know? Mm -hmm. Do they only get paid if it ends up being a painting or you pay them either way? Uh, it, it, it varies. I have a lot of friends that are like, you don't have to pay me, and then other ones, I'm like, hey, $100 or, you know, whatever. Uh, of merchandise or you can get a print of your painting when it comes out but there's so many options variables you know that that come but um i think most of the people are they're like fuck yeah i'll get naked and, and, and pose and have immortalized myself in a painting that's also like amazing you know mm -hmm. um who's this woman is that bonnie goodman no this is tiana tiana fuck it's been so long wow She's a hula hoop, uh, extraordinary world traveler for hoop, hooping. Um, and she was one of the first people I photographed in San Francisco. Tiana Zoomer. Okay. Pretty sure that's the name. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. But this is inspired and it's like my most well-known painting, I, I'd say. Oh, yeah, cool. That's awesome. That's like your classic. Yeah, that's the one that put me on the map for sure. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's talk about technique. Do you paint with acrylics or oils? Both. Okay. What's your favorite? Both. Uh, it seems like you start with black and white and then you do several glazes. Mm -hmm. Is it like a mish technique kind of situation where you do a glaze and then you go back with white? It, it, goes, it goes way older than that, you know? Uh, it goes back to Italian Renaissance. A lot of the portraits were painted in uh, glycelle, which is gray. Um, and then they would layer the skin tones through glaze. Uh, Mish technique is similar, but they stick to like uh, like specific colors, and I, I just don't vibe with those. I don't I don't really use red, and Mish technique has a lot of red or cadmium red. Um, right. And um, yeah, you never put red in your paintings. Not really. Or, or, okay. or uh, I don't know, maybe blood or something. Yeah, <laughs> yours are very in a in a cold kind of hue, right? Like yeah, yeah. Lots of blues, and if it's warm, it's more like a. Like neon a purpley, magenta-ish yeah, kind pink, of eye. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I love it, you know. I, I, I discovered this style by accident, you know. I was painting this, this woman and I, she was black and white and then I was going to layer the colors on top and I was like, dude, she looks great just black and white with all this color around her and, mm -hmm. and then it started from there, you know. And um, it also keeps me moving, you know, because you can be done with an acrylic painting and in a week or so. Yeah, beautiful. So this takes you like what, like a week or two? Um, this one took maybe less than two weeks. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. very fast. No, I've done some in one night. Wow, like yeah. a whole painting in one night? Hey, hey! I'm so sorry. Cash, get over here. Can, do you mind closing that door? What other mediums do you like uh, playing with? Um, I, oil is the other one. It's just that the, the drying time can be a little bit... Um, can be a little bit uh it won't dry sometimes you know if you if you put in the wrong mixture of medium in it um so uh, when i was in puerto rico i was doing all all oils and uh i, I love it now that i'm here in colorado because it's so dry and things just dry right away you know keep going but there's also a beauty on on over layering a thousand layers on an acrylic painting in one day you know what i mean like there's beauty in that too and uh, I, sometimes I use a little bit of spray, like the transparent white and transparent black, mm -hmm. and that's it. Um, 
and that's just to, to add um, mist and, and dark shadow mist. Even. And for your glazes, you use some kind of glazing varnish medium situation? Yeah, it's, it's just regular like professional Liquitex um, gloss. I like the gloss and not the satin or the matte. Um, but yeah, the gloss like 50-50 with water and then you make this like little milk out of it and consistency and just glaze away, man. You, you can, like I said, you can do a thousand layers. Beautiful. <laughs> do you got some kind of like, doesn't have to be grandiose, but what would be like your maximum dream as an artist or in life in general? Do you like where you're at right now? If life kept on being the way it is right now, you'd be a happy man till you die? Or is there something you will still want to achieve in your life? S seeing that you're only like what, early 40s? 41. Like, 41. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like to be the underdog. Um, I like to be able to always speak my mind and never like read from a script you know I, I feel like a lot of artists play it safe um i also wouldn't want to really like blow up too much you know you wouldn't want that no because it, it you have to answer so many more things in your life you know you have to answer so many people man and i like my privacy um i like the quiet so i yeah if if this year could continue every year i'd be set no, yeah. so you're just very satisfied where you're at. Yeah, just yeah. Just keep the ball rolling yeah. and hopefully just get enough abundance to, you know, live in Puerto Rico a little bit more. Yeah, or... yeah, that's definitely doable. But yeah, buy a house, you know, and, and hopefully find a wife and make one kid. Ah, <laughs> make a human. <laughs> make yeah, that's one still, human. That's still on the to-do list. That's <laughs> the ultimate collaboration right there. <laughs> right, totally. So, tell me about aliens. What's your opinion? What, what's your point of view? I'm a alien? U.S. citizen, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not an alien yourself? I, resident. I was a resident alien. Um, shit, aliens. Fuck, man. That, this, I mean, right now is amazing time for disclosure and all that. Right, and, it's and coming the, out, right? It's coming out. Like, in today, even, I think there's a report that's about to come out. Why do you think they're there all of a sudden after decades of being like, what, aliens, UFOs? We never heard or seen nothing of that. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, actually, yeah. things, these things really do exist. Yeah. Do you think they're doing it as a way to introduce these visitors that are going to make themselves more evident? Or are they going to use it as a tactic to find the newest thing to keep the population in some kind of fear spell to continue, us, uh, you know, continue having fear over uh, control over us. Like, what's your point? That's of view? it. That's it. It's, it's religion. You know, the, the minute you say there's more than one God, people are going to freak out. You know, um, uh, religion is going to take a, a huge hit, you know, but I mean, I don't believe in religion, uh, organized religion. Um, so you open the door to aliens and say they're real from the government, then anything is possible. And we're not even talking about aliens in this realm. We're talking about multi-layered dimensions, you know? Right. Uh, it's, it's What's the nature of reality? Yeah. You know? it's a Who the game. fuck are we yeah. in uh, vast options and possibilities of multi-layered yeah. you know, uh, dimensions and planets beyond our imagination. Yeah. You know? Well, the theory that keeps gaining speed is that this is all a video game or an animation, you know, and we're, we're controlled by a higher technology, which would only be either us in the future, which we would change dramatically and have space travel. So those are aliens technically, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, 
can go yeah. on for what is an alien what is an et we're aliens you right. know what i mean to to an ant pile we're, they're like monsters over right. here <laughs> you see uh you know creatures in the ocean or insects that's yeah. very alien looking and yeah i you know i i was reading this thing on on not reading i was watching this uh podcast and um they were saying how earth is a tourist spot for aliens and that's why we're like they're keeping tabs on us because um they love to come visit, you know? They don't like, want us to fuck up their, their vacation spot. <laughs> no, no. The, apparently, since the nuclear bomb exploded, um, that's when aliens really started appearing on Earth. And a lot of uh, these facilities would get shut down by these spaceships flying around. Because mm -hmm. they were saying how it, a, a nuclear a, a splitting an atom breaks the the mattress, you know, breaks the The, the grid, fabric of reality. The fabric of the universe. Mm. It breaks it, so if we blow it up, they feel it, you know? Right. Higher, more higher conscious beings. They're, they're feeling the ripples. They're feeling the ripples, man. So, um, yeah, aliens. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, hopefully they don't use aliens as a tactic for fear and control. I hope that aliens come and be like, okay, guys, this is the nature of who you are, who we are. Here's some technology to give you free energy so you can save your planet and evolve into the next level of reality that's what i'm hoping i don't think they know how to communicate with us though you, you don't know? think they would know how to communicate with us no they would have to like hang in earth to know what how we act and what makes us tick. i think they know us very well and they well would i mean know. i mean try talking to that end pile over there but i think they're already <laughs> communicating to us through our dreams for sure i get it alien emails is what i used to call them and it's that moment when you're about to fall asleep you know that you, you i would get this perfect imagery of these paintings and i would sketch them i still have a sketchbook by my bed yeah we're definitely antennas and they're based they're definitely mm -hmm. doing this to us you know every time i trip on acid i have some kind of encounter you know that's very alien um yeah do you so, do a lot of psychedelics um i, I i'd say once a month or something I, but i like to go full in you know i don't like the microdose um, oh yeah yeah i like I, if i'm gonna do it all or nothing yeah and what's your medicine of uh uh D dmt um uh acid of course um and lately I've been messing around with ketamine but like in the right portions mm -hmm. and that's been fucking amazing and, and ketamine's got a really bad name of course because of the k-holes you know but well people abuse it well, yeah, if you do too much, you're, you're, you're kind of stuck in your head, you know, and, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's this, all this medicine and legal ketamine now that is being introduced and it's helping a lot of people, man. What but, does it do for you? Um, it, last time I did it, I was painting with friends and I just brought all my paints and we all were painting on the floor and my, I just did tiny, tiny little bumps of ketamine and, uh, dude, it was like, it was like ecstasy and acid trip combined we we're all just like hugging and like painting and the paintings were moving and coming and it was long too it was a, it was hours you know hours yeah well because we kept we kept dozing you know mm -hmm. and um and i did one of those like oh wait this painting is gonna look like crap tomorrow morning you know and and i asked i gifted to a friend and, and i was like can you send me a photo and it was still there you know so i was clear painting and tripping balls at the same time you know so what would you say is the lesson that you learned from that experience um psychedelics are, are good and they can be healthy like it was more like a like a feeling a connection to something greater or some kind of realization well the dmt you know did that for me um was the beans like i i, I had a 
massive blast off where I was hanging out with these three entities and I was drinking that day and that's probably why I smoked this big hit of DMT and uh, one of the entities, we were like this huge crystallized chapel, it was huge. The clouds were coming through the walls and it was like a sunset mm -hmm. and uh, the entities looked like Ben Ridgway's artwork. Okay, yeah. <laughs> with the button, like the speakers, you know? Right. They were porcelain and they were male. Uh, and uh, one of them carried me and I, I shrunk like a fetus. I became like this little baby. And uh, another one came and started pulling the like Wonder Woman's lasso out of my belly button. Bro. And uh, he was cleaning you. He was cleaning me of the booze. Oh, and, wow. and also telling me what, it, what this can do. It, can, it could sober you. Um, and as soon as I, I mean, I came out of that trip and my whole hands were digitized. You know, it was polygons. It was putting itself back together. Like the computer, I could see the matrix, the computer program, you know? So cool. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I, left, I forgot that I smoked DMT because I was so far gone. And I was like, I'm, I'm going crazy right now. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, wait, no, I smoked DMT like, I think five minutes, 10 minutes ago, you know? <laughs> And uh, I went outside and smoked a cigarette in the backyard and, and I just, it made me realize the potential for soldiers and domestic violence. And if they saw what I saw, dude, like it would, it would really, really help the world. Man. Do you feel you've become a better person through it? It made me uh, not afraid to die. You know, it took a lot of that fear out the window because this is just like a chapter. You know? Right. It's like what you said before. It's like, this is a Matrix video game. And maybe it's not aliens playing us as avatars, but maybe it's just God himself that wanted to experience physical reality through us. Right. Well, Elon, Musk, Elon Musk said that um, technology will eventually just become so fast that we won't even remember the change when we went into the video game. Mm -hmm. So maybe ourselves did it already and we're in the video game now. Mm -hmm. um, and we never noticed when we plugged in. Wow, that's a trippy father. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Do you have um, optimism for humanity? Like with all the technology coming through and agendas and seems like, you know, the powers that be always want to, you know, keep uh, humanity somewhat controlled. But yeah. everything changes every single day and we're trying to figure ourselves out in reflection of each other. And, um, you know, I, I am optimistic, man, for, for the future. Um, I think it, things are going to get really, really, really bad that we're going to need to stop and fix it or fucking fade away, you know? But we're not going to... You don't gonna, think that's now already? It is, but it's been happening for, for 50 years, you know? We, it took us 100 years, bro, to change the... to terraform this planet, to change the, the temperature of the ozone, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 100 years of industrial pollution going in the air. So... Mm -hmm. um, it, we, we don't see the changes right away, but uh, like when I was living in Florida and we had the deep water horizon, like that blow up and spill all the oil, remember that? Yeah, the, the, the GP or the... BP oil, yeah, BP yeah. Oil. That, seeing that definitely turned me into an environmentalist painter, you know what I mean? It was that drastic change, but most people don't go through that, you know? But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I definitely am optimistic. Sometimes I'll play the other card though and be like, it's too late, man. It's irrelevant. We fucked the world up. Maybe we did. Nobody really knows. But we will hit that point when it's too late or not. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm still hoping that the aliens come and be like, come on, humans, this is what you got to do. We'll help you out. Yeah. It's not too late. It, it sucks that I got to wait for a lot, that I'm hoping for a savior. But it seems like as much as we're well-intentioned as humanity, we just keep on getting more and more divided and fighting each other and not really coming into an agreement of what we have to do. Well, that's how they control us. To, you know, they divide right. and conquer, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, they keep us fighting each other and it's all the same people. Right. You, you, you divide the masses into two, you have two different ways of thinking, and then that multiplies. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm the same. I'm optimistic for aliens, man, that they're just like sitting there being like, wait, is it? Okay, we're going now, and we save yeah. them now. <laughs> and it might be a little bit shocking for them, yeah. and shit might go down to some degree once they come, and people are like, what the fuck? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a strong psychedelic journey. It's a little bit shocking. It shakes you out of your boots, but yeah. you come out of it with what you need in order to hopefully mature and advance yeah. you gotta get your ass kicked every once in a while right you it's part of it's, life it works man if you're not getting your ass kicked in some degree you're just getting too comfy and yeah. you're not moving forward convenience is a killer too man right yeah. so god blessing god bless for all those uh harsh uh, situations we find ourselves sometimes yeah. <laughs> nice. it's inevitable it's your destiny you know embrace it embrace the dark moments too you know totally well, we're coming to the end of our uh, interview here, uh, Della. Would you have some words of wisdom or some final thoughts for the millions and millions of viewers who see us from all around the world? Um, I, I, yeah, I kind of like I said before, you know, it's like be your own boss on anything, you know. There's, there's so many people quitting their jobs right now because they just realize they're unhappy, you know. But we're in this rat race to retire, man, to have enough money in our piggy bank to say, oh, now I can start living. But you're too fucking old by then, you know what I mean? So anything, anything you're good at will work out if you, if you treat it with respect and treat it with love. So go out there and, and just do it, you know, and, and it'll be fine. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. And thank you so much to you, our viewers, for tuning in this week. Thanks for sitting through the whole interview. Please don't forget to give us a little like or comment if anything uh, spiked your interest. And to follow Eric on his Instagram, which is... At Della underscore artist. And my website is DellaCanvas.com. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, please uh, subscribe to this YouTube channel and share it with your community so more people can find out about uh, Della and all the other beautiful creative friends that I have to share with you. Anyways, thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Blessings! Yahoo! Today, I got the honor to be having a conversation with a legendary turntablist, Cut Chemist. The Olympics were coming to LA in 84, so when I started seeing people doing like gymnastic moves, some music I'd never heard with art like this, I just, it was a cultural explosion. It was, you know, the day before that, I was riding BMX bikes, okay? And then I saw that on the news and I was like, forget that, this is, this is what I want. And the DJing, I had already been collecting records as a kid. And when I saw records being used as percussive instruments, get it. I, I, I loved percussion and I loved records. And I loved art and dancing, you know. What kid doesn't like to dance? So I did everything I could to investigate this, this whole culture. You know, I had to learn everything I could. I'm still like that. So make sure to subscribe, like, and everything else. Big thanks, and see you next week.
Peace.